Hi, my name is Soren Palumbo. I'm a senior director of global youth engagement with Special Olympics. Hi, I'm Haley Bernacki. I'm the senior manager of youth engagement for Special Olympics. I'm Megan Hussey. I'm the manager of Unified Schools for Special Olympics. And you're listening to the Special Chronicle Show podcast, giving respect and voice to people with special needs. This is Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs. This episode 262 is brought to you by listeners like you. Please help support us at Special Chronicles with your tax-deductible donation today to help us continue our mission of giving respect and voice to people with special needs. Please go to specialchronicles.com slash giving. That's specialchronicles.com slash giving. And we thank you for your generous support of our mission at Special Chronicles. This week on Special Chronicles, we're joined by Solon, Megan, and, and Haley from Special Olympics International for the first of our three Pout Unified Schools podcast series is coming up right now on SpecialChronicles.com. I shudder thinking how the world can be so cruel. I lend my voice to those who can't. It's time we try. It's time we care. It's time we stand. It starts with a voice. You're listening to the Special Chronicles show. This is a show where podcasting disability stories from insiders' perspective, and we are giving a voice to people with special needs. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to the Special Chronicles show. I'm Daniel, host and founder of Special Chronicles. And today's guests, I'm sure, are Soren, Megan, and Haley from Special Olympics Unified Schools Department. And this week we are beginning the first of a three-part Unified Schools series. Well, with uh, this uh, first part, this episode, we'll be talking about the overall goals that Special Olympics is doing to engage youth and schools. Welcome to uh, Special Chronicles. Well, w- w- welcome back, Solon, and welcome, Megan and Haley, to um, Special Chronicles. Thank you. Thank you for having Thanks. us. We're very excited to be here to talk with you about our work with young people around the world. Yep, and so... Um, so in long time listeners will remember you because I think you, you've been a guest on on this show uh, 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 a few times in the past talking about um, um, the world in the world as our, our, our viewers can, can see on your t-shirt and I think on one of the early episodes you were talking about the um, Soul College um, program uh, in uh, the past um, but um, for any new listeners, why don't you all three uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I will. I'll I'll jump in. So you're you're right, Daniel. I'm a I'm a returning guest, and I'm very excited to be back and talking with you today. So we we talked last time about about two different things, and that's a, a good way to start my mm-hmm. introduction. So I we talked last time about spread the word to end the word, the end the R word campaign. Uh, I, I founded Spread the Word to End the Word when I was in college with a friend of mine, Timbo Shriver, uh, when we were sophomores in college uh, back in 2009. And it started as a, an experiment at a couple of schools, quickly grew to uh, a much larger experiment at many, many schools. And now we're coming up on, next year will be our 10th year of Spread the Word to End the Word. Awesome. We've had, yeah, we've had hundreds of thousands of young people take pledges to 
think about what their language does for people with intellectual disabilities, for themselves, specifically around the R word. And we have seen change happening, not only in the U.S., but we have we have end the R word campaigns in, in Indonesia, in parts of Africa, and parts of Latin America, across Europe. Uh, so this has turned into a global thing over the last 10 years. So so excited that we were able to talk about it some years yeah. ago and, and the, the growth that it's had since then. So that's one, that's one hat that I wear at Special Olympics. Another one is we've talked about our college program, and I'm excited that we have Haley with us today who, who manages and runs and grows and has been for years, our college program. Uh, we started that back in 2009 with just a couple of schools, and under Haley's guidance and direction, it's grown to grow from just a couple to just a couple hundred in the U.S. and around the world. So, so excited to hear her talk more about that later. And then now my, my role, I've been... Uh, I've come back full-time with Special Olympics just in the last couple of months, and now I lead our global youth engagement efforts. So that includes Unified Schools, which we'll talk a lot about today. That includes our Inclusive Youth Leadership Programs, uh, which is people with and without intellectual disabilities, young people standing up and advocating for themselves and for inclusion, and includes other pieces like Spread the Word, End the Word, and, and other things that the Youth Summit that we do, other pieces that we use to engage young people in a message of inclusion around the world. So that is that's my role. I think it had. I think it's the the most exciting part of what we do at Special Olympics. I'm a little bit biased, um, but we are. I we Megan Haley and I joke that we are not trying to improve your grandmother's Special Olympics. We're trying to build your granddaughter's Special Olympics. Uh, we're here to see what can Special Olympics be in 2000. Not 2018, but 2030, 2040, 2050. Uh, what can it look like? How big can it get? Uh, how impactful can it get? So that's that's what we work on as a team. I think we've got the the best thing going within Special Olympics, and we've got the best team going. So that is that's me. The one other thing that I'll, I'll throw in is that I I came to this type of work uh, through my family. So I, I have a, a younger sister with an intellectual disability, my younger sister Olivia. Mm -hmm. And seeing all that she, not only what she offers, but also the stigma that she faces has inspired me to spend you know, the rest of my life trying to, trying to make a world that remembers stigma um, when associated with people with intellectual disabilities rather than one that experiences it day to day. And I think that we can do it. Yeah, I think absolutely. that young people is a great place to start. Um, and the work, that, the work that we do, the work that you do, Daniel, is, uh, is all, all a part of making that a reality. So I will, I will stop. I will let everyone else here introduce themselves. Uh, you can tell I'm very excited and very yeah. long-winded about this. Yeah. Uh, but I will, why don't we, we'll let Haley introduce herself and tell about, about her role, and then we'll come back here to Megan. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Haley Bernacki. As I had mentioned, I oversee the college and university activation for Special Olympics. I first started my engagement with Special Olympics around 10 years ago when I became a coach and a unified partner in high school in Southern California. I then moved to Washington, D.C. for university, and that is when I got in contact with SOI, Special Olympics International, who, who has their headquarters uh, in D.C. And I started as an intern um, right after Soren started the the time our SO college program um, it was handed to me as kind of a pet project 
as an intern and said, hey, what can you make of this? You're in the university space. You're obviously a student. Um, so how can you make this bigger um, than what it is currently? And so I spent three years as an intern at Special Olympics International growing the college programming. When I graduated, um, our college programming had become such a a big part of who we were as an organization that I came on full-time as a staff member four years ago. And since then, my position has grown um, to not just overseeing college programming within the U.S., but overseeing college programming um, around the world as well. So currently, our college programming is we have 400 universities globally that are engaged in Special Olympics clubs or unified sports, and we have 282 universities that have clubs and or ongoing unified sports opportunities just in the United States. Um, and the bulk of what we do within universities is we start a s official Special Olympics college clubs, um, which run as student organizations on campus. And then we also do unified sports opportunities um, and ongoing engagement um, in terms of taking local Special Olympics athletes and pairing them up with university students on campus to have ongoing sports seasons throughout the year. So awesome. that's uh, a little bit of my position. So I will hand it over to Megan. Thanks, Haley. I'm Megan Hesse. I'm the manager of Unified Schools at Special Olympics International. Like Soren, I first came to Special Olympics through a family connection. So my younger sister, Erin, is a Special she has autism and intellectual disability. Um, and my mother is also um, a local coordinator and coach for Special Olympics um, for my local program in Connecticut, where I'm from. And actually, Special Olympics is what spurred her to want to go into special education. So I grew up in the Special Olympics movement. I ran in my first unified relay when I was about 10, later became a coach. Um, so that's really inspired me in my new role to make sure that as many children and youth as possible have the same opportunity that I had and that my sister had to be involved in unified sports. And specifically, I look at providing those opportunities through school. Focus entirely outside of the U.S. Um, the Special Olympics movement is truly global. We're in over 170 countries. So, um, I work with all of our different regional offices um, to help adapt the unified sports programming in schools that we do and different inclusive youth leadership and other ways that we engage and activate youth around inclusion to fit all of the different cultures and all of the different school systems um, and ways that education runs around the world. Um, there's many parts of the world where students with and without intellectual disabilities might not be in the same school where um, students with intellectual disabilities might be going to special education schools. Um, so we work on models that bring those students together. Um, there are also some parts of the world where children with intellectual disabilities don't go to school. So we work on ways that they can come into schools for unified sports opportunities um, and other ways that we can get more and more students and youth playing unified, learning together, playing together, um, and growing up to be that unified generation that, like Soren says, doesn't have um, the same type of stigma and discrimination that's 
um, unfortunately been a reality for people with intellectual disabilities for yeah. too long. Yeah. So let's begin by uh, giving all the listeners and viewers an introduction in what the Unified Schools Department is and how the Unified Schools program got started. Um, I, I think some, some people have said in the past that, that it used to, and I think maybe um, 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 Joey um, um, Holloway from, from your office has, has said that it, it used to be the Project Unify. So how did the Unified Schools program get started and a little bit about about the, the department overall? Yeah, yeah, so let me um, let me give uh, an overview, and then Megan and Haley can can dig in on the on the parts that they they run day to day. So we so Special Olympics has worked with schools in some way for a long time, right? School tracks have been a place for track and field events. School pools have been a place for swimming events, but it's been more of like more of a venue or maybe a place to get volunteers from rather than these centers for inclusion and transformation. And that's, I think, what we are trying to do at yeah. Unified Schools. It's not just find a place where we can host a track meet. It's find a place where a lot of young people are that we can empower as leaders for inclusion going forward. So that, that mindset really happened about... About 10 years ago, um, when what was then known as Project Unify got started. And Project Unify, for, for those who don't know, was, is, a, is a U.S.-based program, which has gotten support from the U.S. Department of Education, that works to, works to change schools in three ways. One is to bring unified sports to schools. The second is to bring inclusive youth leadership opportunities into schools. And the third is to find ways to engage the rest of the student body, so the ones who maybe aren't on the unified sports teams or aren't in the Special Olympics clubs, the rest of the student body, in a message of inclusion. And that can be things like a pep rally, that can be uh, the R Word campaign, that could be a spirit week, some way to engage the rest of the student body. But it works on with those three components. Mm -hmm. Sports, inclusive youth leadership, and whole school engagement. And... When we started 10 years ago, it was a, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was a pretty radical idea. Yeah. Uh, people didn't think that uh, young people with and without intellectual disabilities could come together to, to change this. Because our, our hypothesis, our, our theory, our conviction was that if you brought these three pieces together, you were going to change a school. And it... Uh, wasn't a typical classroom, you know, here's a textbook type of curriculum. Yeah. It was, we're going to change the ways the hallways look, the way the cafeteria looks, the way that uh, the gymnasium looks. And through that, we're going, we're going to create a generation of young people who are standing side by side, whether you have an intellectual disability or not, people of all ability levels coming together through sport in other ways. So we're now in year 10 of that, and it has grown from dozens of schools to we are now in 5,400 elementary, middle, high school, and college universities in the United States uh, with those three components. So it has grown tremendously over the last so many years. 
and that's a that's across the entire country. Mm-hmm. So so that is that's one that's one piece of it. Yeah. We have this U.S. based uh, what we now call unified champion schools, and then another piece of it. Megan said this earlier. We work Special Olympics does in 172 countries around the world. The U.S. is a big country, but it's one of 172. So we work with schools in the other 171 countries around the world, and it looks different in each one of those places. Mm. A school in Alabama doesn't look like a school in Albania. A school in Mumbai doesn't look like a school in Milwaukee, doesn't like look like a school in Morocco or in Macau or anywhere else in the yeah. world. So we are... So one of the things that we work on as a team is how do we how do we design a program that can create the unified generation, can empower the unified generation across all of these different types of schools and different types of education systems. So we work in these schools to do something that I think is pretty basic. It's to bring unified sports into the school setting and it's to engage students in unified sports. And it might be unified cricket in, in India or parts of the Caribbean, it might be uh, it might be unified basketball in other parts of the world. It might be unified football or soccer in some parts of the world. But it's young people with without intellectual disabilities coming together to play sports awesome. and doing it as students in schools. And that's not to say we don't do things in the community, but that's to say that we think that there's something special about doing this in schools. And when we start with sports, and then we can begin to layer on the inclusive leadership piece, we can layer on the engagement of the rest of the student body, that's when we really get transformational impact. So so think about it, I think, in, in two pieces. One is what we're doing in the USA, and that's very exciting, and there's been huge growth, and there will continue to be growth, but that's just one slice of the entire world uh, where we have programming in 172 countries. Uh, so I, so I'm going to... I'm going to pause because I want to give Megan and Haley a quick chance yeah. to talk about, you know, what do, what are, I'll, I'll ask Megan to talk about maybe what are some of our different models that we work like We we say that, you know, a school in Baltimore is different from a school in Beijing, but what does that look yeah. like? So yeah, yeah, what does it look like? A little bit about that. And then maybe Haley can talk a little about what the college programming looks like in all these different parts of the world, too. Is that, yeah. is that cool? Can we yeah, go, yeah, go yeah, there? yeah, let's go there then. Great. So what Soren described is very typical of what a unified school or unified champion school looks like, especially in the United States. Um, But as you said, and as I was saying earlier, there's a lot of parts of the world where the schools and the school system, especially for students with intellectual disabilities, don't look the same as they do in the United States and where opportunities for education are different for students with intellectual disabilities. Um, But we still, working with all of our different Special Olympics programs around the world, find ways to make those opportunities to bring students with and without intellectual disabilities together to play sport. So one place that's been really successful with unified schools um, has been China. Um, So I, I lived and worked in China for a year and a half, and um, there's still a lot of stigma, a lot of discrimination, and a lot of barriers for people with intellectual disabilities there. Um, Many of them still go to separate schools from students without intellectual disabilities. So they'll go to a special special education school and not to the the general school for their area. 
Um, but what Special Olympics East Asia and Special Olympics China have done have made partnerships between a special school in a city and a mainstream school in a city. And those schools um, come together to have unified sports opportunities where their students get to know each other. Um, they get to form friendships and bonds that you make with your teammates when you're playing sports together. And then they've also done a lot around inclusive youth leadership training with those students. So that's really powerful because students with intellectual disabilities in China have often been educated separately from their peers without disabilities. Some students that don't have disabilities have never met someone with a disability before. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they're getting to know someone with an intellectual disability as a person, whereas before they may have just heard things or seen things on TV, they may have felt really afraid because they've never interacted with someone with a disability before. They, they didn't know what to expect. And it's really powerful to see how through that exposure, by becoming familiar with one another, by becoming friends with one another, their minds start to change. They start to see that um, their teammates with intellectual disabilities are just like them in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. They appreciate the ways that they're different um, and see that as something they can also learn from as well. Um, and then also gets them thinking about ways that they can make their communities more inclusive. And it's been really exciting to see that program grow and develop um, in China and see how we can take the lessons we've learned there and take them to other parts of the world that are facing very similar challenges. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I think... Do you want to jump in on colleges? It might be on. Might be on. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Apologies. And... and Building off of that, a big piece of why we engage our colleges and universities is to focus on transition. We are engaging hundreds of thousands of students around the world every single day when it comes to our unified champion school programming and our unified school programming, and we don't want to lose that momentum. We want to continue to engage those students. We want them to become lifelong advocates. Uh, supporters and volunteers for the Special Olympics movement. And so that's a big reason why we continue to have university and college engagement. As I mentioned a little earlier, the, the cornerstone of our university activation is clubs, so official student organizations on campus. In some countries around the world, they take the the form of societies, they take the form of student groups, they take the, the form of different things, um, but in the U.S., the term club, student club, um, resonates with probably a lot of your listeners and viewers. Um, and then on top of that, we also do unified sports. Um, our focus is to do ongoing unified sports activities. Um, so in the U.S. and other parts of the world, that looks like unified sports intramurals. So it's multiple teams from the same university competing against each other. Um, in other cases, it's intercollegiate. So it's teams from you know, universities competing against each other. Um, and then sometimes it's kind of a round-robin tournament where you have a lot of teams from a lot of different schools um, participating as well. So that's the cornerstone of what we do within universities. And kind of our big, one of our largest goals 
with engaging university students in particular is you connect to their future career. So we want to engage uh, future health professionals and have them recognize that they should be able to to treat people with intellectual disabilities. We want to work with future businessmen and women that want to hire athletes. Um, we want to work with future politicians that want to advocate for our athletes. We want to engage with a full range of university students so they can see how Special Olympics should be a part of their life moving forward. Absolutely. So uh, I'll... Um uh, uh, a mutual friend, um, Joey um, um, Holly, who's an athlete in your office, and he's been a guest uh, a few times in the past when when we were live. Um, just a um, couple, just a couple months ago, and then last year uh, from your office in DC. Can you, you guys share with us a little bit about how you guys work together with um, Joey? Sure, I can jump in first. Um, Jerry has been an employee at Special Olympics almost as long as I've been an employee. When we both first started, um, we shared a cube. So Jerry and I formed a friendship pretty quickly. Um, we had very similar days, similar hours. And I relied on Jerry to give me a lot of the kind of ins and outs yeah. of the organization and to, to use his expertise not only as an athlete, but also as an employee within SOI um, to, to teach me the ropes. And since then, Jerry um, continues to be a friend, continues to be a colleague. And up until recently, we were next door cube mates. Um, and I, I appreciate the, the learning opportunity that I get on a regular basis from Jerry. And he is one of many athletes in our office who I think I can speak for the group. Um, you know, provides incredible working opportunities for us on a daily basis. Awesome. Yeah, and Jerry, Jerry has, I think, a lot of different ways that he works with the team. Uh, he works primarily on the USA schools team, so he's working with uh, our unified champion schools in the United States, and he he does a lot of analysis on where are we where are we growing where where are our opportunities to be able to grow the program um, where have we grown from in the past uh, he he's very good with all of the all of the data that we collect um, and and turning those those numbers that are you know, from every one of the five thousand four hundred schools that we work with, taking all of that information and putting it into the the story of our impact across the United States. Uh, so he's a he's a very valuable role to play on our team, and we're we're lucky to have him with our USA School program. Awesome. So, so um, let's talk a little, little bit now about the overall goals that Special Olympics is doing in youth and and schools. To touch a little bit about on it in the introduction, but maybe a little bit more about some of the goals that Special Olympics has and, and how, the, how, the, how the All World Campaign uh, is impacting the uh, uh, um, uh, uh, unified schools um, that, that, uh, that, that I'll um, really engage in. With yeah, with, with with the youth. 
Can I, Darren, this would be a good time. Can I tell you about our global youth plan? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah so, that'd be good. So, so let me let me tell you about that, and, uh, and I'll, I'll give a quick overview, and then Megan and Haley can, can jump in on it. So... So we've, like, like I've said, we've worked with young people for, for close to 50 years. We've worked with schools for a long time, and we've worked with young people since, uh, since July 20th, 1968, right? So we've, we've always been working with young people, and young people have been the lifeblood of our movement for a long time, but we have actually never had a single movement-wide plan to engage young people. Right? There might have been a plan in Chicago, but a different one in Los Angeles, and a different one in New York, and a different one in Mumbai, and a different one in Johannesburg, and a different one in Chennai, and a different one in Shanghai. So we had all of these different... People knew how to do it in their local communities, but we never had this one global vision of what we wanted to do with young people until actually just this past year. So, so we worked with our volunteers and staff from around the world to say, here's what our plan is for young, for young people. Uh, and it laid out a, a set of five five different targets from between now and and the end of 2020. So over the next couple of years, and in those next couple of years, we want to do five things. So the first one is we want to add 10,000 unified schools. So we're in 5,500 in the United States, another about 6,000 outside of the United States. We want to just about double the number of schools that we're in. So that's objective number one. We want to add 10,000 new to our programming around the world. So increase the number of schools, increase the number of youth leaders. The third one is to engage digitally a million young people in Special Olympics. There are a lot of different ways you can engage digitally. We want to engage a lot of young people. Yeah. So that's the third one. The fourth one is we want our schools and youth programming to be sustainable and to, to grow in a way that uh, it can survive. So this isn't something that just happens once and is great, but then goes away the next year. So our fourth goal is around sustainability. And then the last one, the fifth goal, is we want to, with, with research and evaluation, understand what the impact of unified schools are in, in each region that we work in. So we have a lot of research on what unified schools do in the United States. We know that it reduces bullying in the schools that we're in. We know that it uh, that young people who participate call it a positive turning point in their lives. We know it increases the comfort level of young people with people with intellectual disabilities as classmates, as people as uh, in the classroom, in the cafeteria, on the sports pitch. So we want to know what that impact is, not just in the United States, but in South America, in Sub-Saharan Africa, in the Middle East. So that's our fifth goal. We want to be able to research and assess this around the world. So, so those five are to increase the number of schools that we work with, increase the number of youth leaders that we work with, engage a million young people digitally, be more sustainable in our youth programming, and then to be able to research and evaluate the impact that we have. Awesome. Look at you. Any any other thoughts on our on our global youth plan? Those are the the big five objectives. So they all kind of go together, and it's really about engaging more young people, doing it through schools, helping young people to grow into leaders in the Special Olympics movement, um, reaching 
a lot of people through all the digital media that we do. Um, that could be social media, podcasts are great. Yeah. Uh, and then making sure that we're doing this type of programming that can keep going and mm-hmm. that we know what kind of effect we're having. So, uh, are you guys working with a lot of the a lot of the um, uh, uh, state programs and and, and the um, country and the various country uh, um, programs as well to um, in, engage w- within the various schools? We are, Daniel. I mean, that's where that's where the rubber hits the road. I mean, that's. That's where uh, we. That's where the programming actually gets into a school, right? When we yeah. sometimes uh, we talk about schools in, in almost an abstract, right? We yeah. want to be in thousand schools or twenty thousand schools or thirty thousand schools. What we yeah. really want is we want to be in John Adams High, that's on Main Street in this town, yeah. and we and we want to go be in uh, you know Thurgood Marshall's Elementary School that's on Second Street yeah. in this town. It's we, we talk a lot with these big numbers, but the impact that we have, I, we, we don't lose sight, and, and we don't want anyone to lose sight, on being in one more school means that for, for 20, 50, 200, 1,000 young people, they're going to grow up in a place that is inclusive, in a place that values difference, in a place that embraces different levels of ability, that does things as a unified generation. So yes, it's about getting into one thousand more schools, but it's also about getting into one, two, three, four, five oh, more schools. Yeah. And that's where and that's what we work we work with the state programs in the United States. The state Special Olympics programs in the United States. And then we also work with, with our national programs. Uh, you can you can imagine Dan, in the United States each state has a different Department of Education, yeah. right? So the education in Illinois looks a little bit different from what it looks like in Indiana. looks a little different from Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, and similarly, but probably even more, you know, every country outside of the United States has a different education system too. So, uh, so Mexico has a different education system from Belize, has a different education system from Costa Rica, from El Salvador, from Nicaragua, from Honduras. And those are just all countries that are you know, in North America and Central America, they're all right next to each other, yeah. let alone looking at you know, 172 countries from around the world. So that's where we rely on and we work with and try to empower our our national programs because the the director of and the staff of Special Olympics Indonesia know a lot more about how to create change in schools in Indonesia than I, than I do, than yeah. we do, right? Because they live it. They live it every day. So yeah. our job is to try to give them the, the tools, the resources, the support to be able to make change in Indonesia uh, and take that and, and multiply by 170 countries. Yeah. Um, Haley, any thoughts on that? I completely agree. I think that that is a big piece of who we are and what our team does. Um, another important context to add in that as well is the way that Special Olympics International is uh, created 
is that we have our national our international headquarters which is in washington dc and then each one of our regions has their own office as well um, so a big part of our job is working with regional representatives who then go out and work with programs as well so each one of the seven regions around the world has somebody who oversees youth programming. In many cases, youth programming is uh, just a small part of their job, uh, but they are also the ones, too, that work alongside us to to enact this change within programs around the world. Neat. So, yeah. so, so for folks listening or, or watching who might not have a unified schools program, in their school, do they contact your office at, at International, or is there, what would be a good direction for any um, listeners or, uh, or, or viewers who, who might want to get a, a unified school program if, if they don't have one already in their school? So I think the best thing for that listener to do would be to contact their local Special Olympics program. So if they're in the U.S., it would be to contact their state Special Olympics program um, and talk about what they can do. Probably involve a meeting with the Special Olympics program, their school administration. They can discuss what they would like to do in their school, um, what models and activities might work well for their school, what resources might be available. Um, if they're outside of the U.S., um, the best thing to do would probably be to go to our website and use the program locator to find the contact information for their National Special Olympics program. And they can help link them with um, any more local sub-program that may be in their city or province. Um, and they can discuss what they would like to do um, to make their school a unified school and work with their Special Olympics program that way. Yeah. Um, but it's best for, um, for making that change happen at the local level if people engage with the Special Olympics program that's working in their home state or their home country. Awesome. And the same thing is true for colleges true. and um, universities? Yes, and just to add on to what Megan mentioned, if they're in the United States, if you Google Special Olympics with your state name, so Special Olympics Colorado, each one of our state programs within the United States has their own website, and on there will be a staff directory. Typically look for, when it comes to schools and universities, look for somebody with the title that is Director of Schools, Director of Youth, um, sometimes director of sports, um, anyone with that title um, would be the best person to reach out to, and they would be more than happy to get you involved and get your school on board. Awesome. So a, a, as we come to a close, we know that, um, well, that, that, that what's just uh, kicked off this, this past um, July here in Chicago for the 50th anniversary of Special Olympics, um, next year, and um, as an athlete representative, I'm on the marketing and communications committee. So there's a lot that we're doing to get to get the uh, um, word out about the 50th anniversary next year in 2018. Um, but 
it, a, another big part and that kind of ties in with uh, unified schools and what Special Olympics is doing to engage youth and is the young people is uh, the leading demographic f for support in, in raising awareness for the Special Olympics movement and getting support for the 50th, 50th anniversary uh, next year here in Chicago, July, um, I think it's the week of July 17th, I believe. Uh, in, um, uh, 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 next year here in Chicago, um, but uh, how how uh, how is the your um, university schools department looking to engage youth um, in when it, when it, when it comes to the fiftieth anniversary um, next year in two thousand eighteen? Yeah, good question. Um, we we know that young people are are important to are important for the celebration of all of our movement has accomplished. But even more importantly, I think, they are a start to all of what our movement will accomplish moving forward. So it's, it's important to engage them next year, but not in a way that looks back, but in a way that looks forward. So I would say that that's the spirit of how we want to engage young people. I, there, are, there are going to be engagement points throughout the year next year that will have young people in them. Uh, the one in Chicago in July, which will be a, a centerpiece really for, for our entire movement, uh, is going to involve young people as as fans in the stands for the for our football, for our soccer competition that's going on that week. Yeah. will involve uh, young people as, as volunteers during that week and, and being a being a part of the events that are going on. So, so young people should look forward for details on that as we get into 2018. Uh, I would say that there are going to be different types of events throughout the world. So we will hold uh, youth leadership events in different parts of the world. Uh, we have one that we're working on in Europe right now for 2018, uh, one that will happen in Latin America in 2018. So a number of large events that celebrate our movement, but again, with the idea of let's let's look forward and let's think of what more young people can do to create the Special Olympics of, of 2030, 2040, 2050. Uh, but I, you can tell I'm being a little bit vague because I don't yeah. want to give all of our secrets at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's some big things going on that we're that are still they're still in the lab uh, and that are going to be good big surprises. So we're we're excited to be able to talk about those as they as they come together. Um, and we're also excited because, like I said before, next year is the the tenth anniversary of Spread the Word as well. So a couple of pieces here that are all starting to fit together, and and I hope that they're going to come together in a way that is a, a celebration and one that we can build off of going into 2018 and. And many years after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it it definitely seems like that 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 the uh, um, youth will um, really help to shape the future of the special yes. of, of Olympics movement. So uh, yes, they're the only ones who can. Yeah, 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 only ones. So um, for a quick preview for our next two parts uh, next week, we'll talk about the um, what. What the schools and what the young people are doing internationally and the Global Youth Summit will 
touch on that um, next week for our second part. And then the third part, we'll talk about a little more about the uh, the work and the programs here in the U.S. for the Unified Champion Schools. So our listeners can stay tuned for those next two pouts and the, in the next um, two weeks. And uh, and uh, any uh, you, you mentioned some w- w- uh, websites, but any s- uh, s- um, um, social media plugs for the Unified Schools or the All World Campaign or a- anything that you guys want to. Uh, uh, um, uh, mention that um, any of our listeners or viewers might want to go to find out more information? Good question. So we we have, uh, we, all, we all within Special Olympics try to work with a single set of, of social media handles. So they can find us on Facebook with Special Olympics. Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Special Olympics. They can find us on, on YouTube, on Instagram, on, on Pinterest, on are all with uh, Special Olympics as as a handle name. Uh, we also on on Facebook you can find Spread the Word to End the Word as as another Facebook page, and you can also find out more about the R Word campaign specifically at uh, www.r the letter r dash word dot org. Okay, awesome. Any any um, uh, final thoughts on um, on everyone's overall time here today on Special Olympics that you want to share with our, uh, our listeners? I'll go last. We can go around. Haley, any thoughts? We will, over the next two weeks, Megan and I will be providing more context as to what things look like on the international stage and what they look like within the U.S. But I invite everybody to that's listening and viewing this podcast to reach out to your local Special Olympics program. And if you're not engaged or your child isn't engaged or your neighbor isn't engaged or your friend isn't engaged through this programming, I, I encourage everyone to get involved because I think I can, can speak for the three of us, but we are all personally impacted by the programming that Special Olympics provides. And we know it's life-changing and we know that once you're in, you're hooked. So we encourage everybody um, to get all of the young young people in their lives involved in our school programming. Awesome. I'll echo what Haley said. Definitely encourage everyone to get involved in your local school community. Um, and also, I, I hope that the stories that you'll hear over the next two weeks really inspire you and show you some examples of just how powerful young people can be and how this generation is really going to lead the world and become more unified. And I would, I'll, I'll end with, uh, with something of a challenge, which is we've, we've seen what our movement can become over the last 50 years, but where we're going to be in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years is right now, like right at this moment, a dream in someone's head. If we look back and the year 2030 and say, how did we get from 2017 to 2030? It's because there was some 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 18-year-old, 12-year-old who had a vision about what Special Olympics can be in the world and then led to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I encourage everyone who's listening to think to themselves, what do I want the world to look like in 2030, in 2035, in 2040? And how, through Special Olympics, can I make that happen? 
so that's, that's the challenge that the three of us give to each other every day. That's the challenge that we give to the thousands of young people that we work with every day. What's that vision? How do we want the world to look like? And then let's get to work making it that way. Okay. So we're excited to come back next week and the week after to give more, more details on all the stuff that we're doing in the U.S. and around the world. And, and let's, let's make it. Yeah, absolutely. So, if our listeners uh, want to share, if you want to share your feedback, uh, or have have, have any questions, have any more questions, you can email us feedback at specialchronicles.com. That's feedback at specialchronicles.com, or you can join the conversation on social media at uh, Special Chronicles on Facebook and Instagram, and at Special C Podcast on Twitter. And you can leave your uh, five star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcast, on Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search for Special Chronicles or find those links on specialchronicles.com. Our guests today have been uh, Soren Muggin and Haley from the Unified Schools Department at Special Olympics uh, International. Uh, um, thank you again um, for, for for coming on, on Special Chronicles for this first of three, uh, um, three pout on the uh, Unified Schools. Thank you for having us. We look forward to being back. And thank you. And, and until next week, take care and God bless. Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs.